Hey, what's up? It's your boy, Stephen McCoy, and you are listening to Sessions with Stephen. And today's topic is racism. Yes, it's a very broad topic, but I have a special guest here that will definitely be able to speak to me on a lot of things that he's been through. That is talent manager, record executive, founder of Music were entertainment, author, and of course, the father of Beyonce and Solange knows, Mr. Matthew knows. How are hey. you? <laughs> Steven, I love your short version. You know, sometimes I get that long intro. <laughs> right. And I'm like, oh man. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for coming on. You and I actually met eight years ago, I believe it was at uh, Beyonce's I Am World Tour concert DVD premiere. That was at the School of Visual Arts Theater in uh, Chelsea, New York City. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I I didn't even realize that you were that tall. (laughs) You know, I was just on an interview before, and uh, uh, it was like three people interviewing me, and they were like, well, you know, why is the uh, sometimes the perception of you incorrect? I said, yeah, I know. People don't know that I'm as tall as I am. They don't know I'm, I'm as handsome as I am. They don't know that I'm as smart as I am. I know. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, one thing we do know, you definitely have the brains for, I mean, you pretty much succeeded. You surpassed what you thought you ever was going to have in your life, and that's why you're here today, to speak about your new book titled Racism from the Eyes of a Child. Now, even that title alone, it just hits you somewhere, especially to those who have went through a lot of racism. Can you talk to us about what your book is about? Well, my book, Stephen, is about my journey, my personal journey, Growing up in a little small town in Gaston, Alabama, 25,000, 30,000 people. Uh, I was born in 1952, uh, so that makes me 66 years old. Uh, and being at 66 in 1952, never going to a really a black school, uh, being one of the first in junior high, one of the first in high school, one of the first at University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, uh, going through demonstrations, getting beaten, getting electric prodded, uh, being a young child and, and being frightened, every, you know, every day at school and kids trying to bully and beat you up and make you feel unwanted or not smarter, uh, not having confidence in yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wanted to share that journey. I wanted to share that journey with others and hoping that we get a dialogue, a dialogue, a more dialogue about racism, more dialogue right. about about colorism, uh, mm-hmm. more more dialogue about uh, a term I use in the book, eroticized rage. So that's why I wrote the book. Now, were you very afraid to put this message out? Because the reason why I ask this question is because there's this, thing it's almost like a unspoken rule to you can't talk about if you've experienced racism especially you know you 
obviously it's about your life even before you got into the entertainment business, but it seems like you're not allowed to speak about those things because you it can stop you from getting another job or something. That's just what it seems like. So were you afraid to speak about this? No, no, not at all. Uh, you know, uh, you know, once you read the book and you you see the the type of parents that I had, uh, the type of grandparents that I had, uh, the type of great grandparents that I had, they were fearless, fearless, uh, and that didn't even pass my mind. If I can be one of the only black kids uh, being surrounded by white folks or being uh, one of the few people on a basketball court in a little country town and you're the only black, two black, three black people in the building, uh, if I can be electric prodded, uh, there's no fear. I have no fear. And, and you're right. There is a taboo about talking about racism and colorism, and that's why I wrote the book is because there is a tab- taboo, and we need to talk about it. We mm-hmm. need to get it out in the open. Uh, we need to get it out of the closet. We need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And, and you it's know, no different. You know, it's no different than years ago. You know, people were that same way about the LGBTQ community. No, Nobody wanted to talk about it. But because we did talk about it, we did look at the progress we've made because we yeah. did talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm really very proud that she did this but because, like you said, as long as there's someone speaking about it, that means that we're allowed, it opens up the dialogue and we're allowed to talk about it. And obviously with dialogue comes action as well. And even for me personally, in your book, you admit that you were a head and you were bullied and um that has happened to me as well and it's almost like you couldn't even defend yourself if there's a whole bunch of other races that are the same kind and it's almost like well if you stand up for yourself they may make up a different story were you ever afraid to stand up for yourself you know there's a uh you know, uh, in one of the chapters of the book, I, I, I tell a story about my mother. Um, my mother was about 5'11", strong woman, strong woman. And this white, young insurance man came and knocked on our door. You know, they had their weekly policies, and they come collect the premium. He knocked on the door, and he said, it's hella nose here. And my mother looked at that you know, insurance man, and she said, young man, you have two choices. You can either get back in your car and you can get out of here, or you can get back in your car and you can come back and say, is Mrs. Knowles here? And if you choose not to do that, then I'm going to cancel your policy. And so, you know, I, that was a, you know, a great expression for me to see, uh, you know, a strong person saying, hey, I'm standing up uh, uh, against racism. I'm not going to accept it. You know, I talk about the, in the book, Stephen, you know, black people, when we're together as a group, mm-hmm. probably the number one thing we talk about is racism. 
Mm. When when a group of black folks are you know together, and 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 and, and you know it, Stephen, you, mm. you've been in you've been in some of those groups, and we just talk about our job about racism. We talk about where we live about racism. We talk about the world about racism. But then when we get in front of our white counterparts and have the opportunity to have a discussion about racism, we don't want to talk about it. We cower right. out. We cower right. out then. We don't, we don't talk about it. And I'm hoping that this book will give folks, both black and white, uh, the dialogue, a platform for a dialogue on racism and a platform on dialogue on colorism. Speaking of colorism, everyone almost took your word out of content as far as your daughter oh, and you. That's 100%. You know, yeah. For those who don't know, you made a comment Beyonce wasn't liking that she wouldn't have made it further. I, we all know that's not him saying discrediting his daughter or anything like, you know. Well, I would so, never discredit, yeah, never, I, ever discredit. Uh, right. Beyonce or Solange or any of my other artists. As, as right. Well. Uh, what I what I said and what clearly I say in the book, uh, I say that you know when I got into the music industry in the the late nineties, uh, it was segregated those music industries. You had the mm -hmm. black music department, or in some cases they call it the urban music department. And they were all on one floor, yeah. um, and th and then you had in the other floors was the pop and rock departments and mm -hmm. you know there was no integra integration between them and at pop radio uh three years ago at you know, i teach at texas southern and i i had a uh research project for my artist management class and that was to look back over the the years to see at pop radio uh did we have any black women that were of darker complexion, that were getting mm -hmm. airplay at pop radio. Uh, mm -hmm. And it was very, very few. And that's where the dialogue came about, is that um, right. at pop radio, and, and, and certainly pop radio would represent success because there's 40 million black people, and there's 230 million white people. So if 230 million white people inside of that that number has the opportunity to listen to a song, and 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 you only have 40 million. Then if you combine that, then you got a large number. So right. uh, I mean, anybody that with logic would know that if you can have right. pop and pop radio and urban radio, you're gonna sell more. And it just all goes into who is marketable internationally, right, as far as... For those well, you'll be, you'll be really, you'll really be uh, the interesting thing. You know, I I always wanted uh, and, and suggested to Kelly Rowland, you know, why don't you move to, uh, to Paris or to London? Because it's just the opposite over in, a, in, in uh, uh, Europe. Europeans mm -hmm. like darker complexion women. It's really odd. It's 100% reversed. You know, yes. Uh, yes. and and Kelly did extremely well. Most people, um, you know, that it really upset me uh, once Wendy Williams made a negative comment about Kelly and Michelle, and I was like, right. uh, came to their defense, like, you must don't know Kelly Rowland has sold over five million albums worldwide. 
outside of America, not even in America, outside of America. So mm-hmm. she's been extremely successful. Yeah, I actually had a chance to work with Kelly, and she is a, a, a great person, and she's very talented, obviously. And that was going to be my question. If, if she, you know, with her being a doctor complexion, was there ever any advice that you had to even give her, you know, when, when if she was kind of confused as, as far as album sales or anything, but as you said, she really did do really well especially internationally as well. So speaking of Destiny Child, I, I've heard that there's a, a Destiny Child biopic that you'll be releasing soon. No, no. What I'm working on right now, and it, uh, we have more work to, to do, is uh, my, my, it's not actually my next book. It's my fourth book. Uh, doing a lot of writing right now, Stephen, a lot of writing. I'm in that zone. I'm in that zone, and once you get in that zone, you just stay in it. Uh, but right. um, um, I'm writing the Destiny Child untold story. Oh, um, because nobody really knows, and it, it'll be about four or five hundred pages. It's going to be really? pretty, pretty about four hundred pages, I would say. Uh, that's but, amazing. But yeah, uh, that's to, amazing. To just go just to start at the origin and the beginning, and work work our way up to uh, today. Most and people I don't realize that I, I I still manage Destiny's Child. Most people don't realize that every day there's activity and work to be done in licensing songs on other albums and licensing songs uh, in movies. We just got a huge deal in that Terminator. Is it Terminator? Terminator something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie um, uh, Survivor is the... Uh, in that movie, and that's oh, what they're wow. u- use, using for their advertising campaign. So that's amazing. <laughs> but knowledge is power, you know, Stephen. Yeah. You know, as as you know, uh, in in being in your role, that most people unfortunately don't have all the information. So unfortunately, they they make decisions and you know they judgment on people when they don't in fact have all the information. Right. Right, and I want to ask you, how do you deal with that? Already, I know you've given your daughter's advice, your family advice on how to deal with criticism, but how do you deal with it? You know, who's there to save the hero? (laughs) Well, uh, again, uh, when you look at racism from the eyes of a child, criticism for me started as a child. Yes, it did. So I've been exposed to criticism all my life, mm-hmm. unlike other people that they get successful and then criticism happens. But right, when, right. When, when you're talking in the 50s and 60s and 70s in Gaston, Alabama, where we had George Wallace as our governor and his slogan was segregation today, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever, and you're that mm-hmm. small black child and there's only three or four of y'all, you are getting criticized every hour almost. So this is like compared to 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 that. If this is the criticism that I get because uh, you know the family's been successful, I'll take it. Um, right. Certainly, certainly, I've made mistakes, and uh, I always say that right. mistakes, mistakes is opportunity to grow, not a reason to quit. So. 
You, there's no quit. There's no quit in, in, in Matthew Knowles. Absolutely, I love that. On uh, Facebook, we have Katie uh, Sissy, and she asked, "Whatever happened to the girl group Blush?" The girl group, yeah. I literally just uh, listened to one of their new songs about ten minutes ago. Uh, They're in the studio working on new music. That's awesome. And are you still going to continue to still manage them as well as uh, other artists? I know you do a lot of managing for gospel artists, and 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 you even have uh, music awards for kids as well, right? Yeah. So, well, so well, a lot, a lot of people have always uh, looked at me as a manager. Um, yes. From Destiny's Child all the way, most of the albums that I put out, I was is what is on my record label. Um, you know, most most people seem to forget that I own a record label. Lunge Hadley Street Dreams was on Music World record label. Uh, all of the gospel was uh, on Music World Gospel, our record label. Some of Destiny's Child and Beyonce was joint venture on our record label. Uh, the management part, I do at a high level, but a lot of it is done with my team who do a great job, and I, I love to give them credit for that. I don't get involved with the day-to-day managing um, I never really did, even with Destiny's Child in, in the beginning. But as it, yeah. as it got older, I, I, I was more at a macro level uh, than yeah. than a micro. Do you ever miss managing your daughter Beyonce and the other girls? Do you ever miss it sometimes? I wouldn't say that's the right word. Miss it. Uh, I'm very very proud of what they've accomplished. Uh, and again, I talk in my book. Uh, racism from the eyes of a child. There was a time that I left the nest of my parents uh, and wanted to try it on my own. And so you can only hope and pray that your kids, you've given them the right tools, uh, which I think we, both Tina and I, did with uh, uh, Beyonce and, and uh, Solange, even yeah. Kelly, because Kelly lived with us for years. So right, she was right. like one of our kids. So uh, do I miss it? Uh, sometimes I look at it and say I would do it differently. Mm-hmm. I, I miss I miss the opportunity to tell them I would do that differently because now I 100% play the role of a father and I don't get involved with yes. any one of their their uh, business music business. Now that you guys have uh, separated as business partners, has that actually worked for your personal relationship to get better? Oh yeah, yes it has. That's yes, good. it has. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you back on topic though, Stephen. Yes, we are. We're gonna get back around. Uh, this yes, this is profe- this is Professor this is Professor Knowles, Stephen. Yes, yes, I'm Professor gonna, Knowles. Uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a real pro at coming back and getting us on topic. Uh, uh, yes, right. That's right. <laughs> I respect it. I respect it. <laughs> but you know, I was just asking with the also with other people wanted to know as well. But um, definitely the book, it, it definitely speaks and touches violence to everyone right now. And it's just a perfect time that you even spoke up, you know. And it's not like you were hiding and, and keeping your mouth closed. I mean, at one point you were just working on different things in your career. And I'm loving that you 
have become an author and is allowing the truth to be told. Yeah, well, you know, I uh, I had the opportunity even in my corporate life when I when I worked with Xerox for ten years, um, we had an organization, a black organization called MUSR Minorities United in the Southern Region. Uh, and back in the eighties, Xerox was ranked the number one corporation for black folks to work in America. Mm-hmm. And for three three years, I was the president of that black organization, Minorities United in the Southern Re- Region. And, and so for me, this is not me stepping out now. Folks that know me in corporate life know that I've always stepped out. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. Folks that know me in the music industry know I've always stepped out on this topic. This is mm-hmm. this is not a topic that I've been shy about. Yeah. Okay. And plus, you, I know you also do a lot of work in in Houston, Texas, and things for the community. I've seen it all around, and I think that's amazing. Even with you giving back and and teaching at different universities, what inspired you to do that? Were there a lot of people coming up to you asking you so many questions, and you just decided, why not? No, no, I, I've never lived like that. It's, I've decided because as I transition, not totally out of the music industry, but as I transition, um, academia has always been a passion of mine, teaching. Um, most folks don't know, back in 2007, I taught two years, one class at Fisk University. And, and when I was living in New York, I would fly down in Nashville and next day teach that course and fly back to New York and I did it for free Um, and so I've been now here at Texas Southern for eight years Uh, and and so I've at Rice I've had a distinguished professorship Uh, I lecture all over Harvard I don't know Howard I've lectured a number of universities I've lectured and so this is what I love I'm passionate about it um, mm-hmm. And that's why I do it. I, I at this point in my life, I don't do anything that I'm not passionate about. And I, right. and I encourage and I encourage your listeners. Let that be the number one thing that drives you, is that you're passionate about it. Because when you let that be the driver, not money and fame, but you're passionate. You love it. You it inspires you. It makes you get up in the morning excited. Uh, yeah. Because that coexists with work ethics, passion and, and work ethics coexist. You can't right. have one without uh, the, the other, which right. brings about, about success. Because when you live your passion, you never work a day in your life. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You get up on time. You're you're at those meetings a minute before it starts. So whatever, you're always on time. So I think that plays a role in it as well. If you love something, you're going to be there. And um, I think that's awesome. And that's something that you've always spoke about throughout from many times that I've seen you on television or whether you're doing a speech. It's just it's really inspiring to see a black man um, that we actually can look up to that speaks about these things. So I definitely want to just say thank you so much for, for coming on to the show and speaking about your book racism from the eyes of a child and we will continue to support you and if you need anything 
sessions with Stephen is here. We'll promote. <laughs> and, well, thank um, you a thank lot, you Stephen. So I appreciate you. you and your audience, and I encourage you to go to my website, MatthewKnowles.com. Uh, you can order any of the books there, and I will sign them and ship them to you. Uh, you can see awesome. where you can see where I'm going to be doing lectures and and speech speaking and um I love to see get the support of that and I'm going to be in New York next week for a week uh doing book tours and all sorts of things so oh that's uh, awesome and so then I'll you can come out and support <laughs> well great and then you can go to Amazon or, uh, or Kindle or any of those places and you can buy the book but the book is doing extremely well and I'm uh thank you for your support as well as your listeners support not just to me but of all that Music World has done, all that uh, my kids, Solange and, and Beyonce has done, uh, I thank, for, thank you for that support. Thank you so much. Hey, subscribe now.